Welcome to the Political Economy Forum podcast. I'm Morgan Wack, graduate student and co-producer of this podcast. On today's episode, I'll be hosting Professor Guy Grossman. Professor Grossman is a professor of political science at the University of Pennsylvania, founder and director of the university's development research initiative, and faculty affiliate of Stanford's university's immigration policy lab, in addition to a number of other professional affiliations. Welcome, Guy. Uh, thanks. Thanks for having me, Morgan. Of course. Today, we'll be focusing on your research in Uganda. More specifically, we'll be digging into your use of the politician performance scorecards to disseminate information to potential voters. Your published work on these subjects will be included in the notes for listeners. Let's start off with the scorecard initiative, which is a project you collaborated on with Professor Christian Michalich from Vanderbilt University and ECOD, which is the Ugandan civil society organization. Can you tell us a bit more about the background of the project and how you became involved? Yeah, thanks for that. Uh, so in 2000, 2008 was the first time I, uh, I uh, reached Uganda for work uh, for my dissertation, um, and then uh, and then I, I lived in Uganda throughout 2009. Uh, and during my stay, I got to uh, was introduced to uh, Godwa Tumushebe, who's uh, at the time was the um, he's the founder, but at the time was also the executive director of uh, of Accord, which, as as you mentioned, is a Ugandan civil society. Uh, organization. It's uh, it's an independent public policy research and advocacy think tank, um, very high quality. And through a series of meetings, he was describing this uh, program that they that they were implementing at the time uh, around 2009. This was a pilot project in three four districts. Uh, I think by now uh, the program covers about 50 districts, but this was still at the nebulous uh, stage and the pilot stage. I described the, the, the project and uh, the, the goal behind the project, that the, the idea uh, of, the, of the program was to create a performance uh, scorecard on each uh, politician at the district level in Uganda. Uh, Uganda. The district is the highest level of local government in, in, in Uganda. The idea was to uh, create a performance measure that will serve both the purpose of making it easier for politicians to know what are the legally defined job duties, the thing that they are supposed to do, because not all of them are fully aware of what is that kind of legal requirement. Uh, but then also uh, it, it, the, the idea, and that was explicit in the design, was that if you collect information about what they do and share it with both the politicians and other people in the district, uh, this will incentivize politicians to put more effort into realizing, uh, into the kind of, as I said, their legally defined uh, job duties. And so when he described the, the project, I was like, wow, man, this is amazing. You know, it's a complete, like, uh, it's, a, it's a local initiative, it's grassroots, it's not like um, an idea that came up from, uh, from some aid agency or from international NGO. This is like, it was all um, in the local, local initiative. And basically, I proposed to uh, Godbell to add a research component to the program that was already taking place. Okay, so I think it's very important. You know, there's a lot of studies that happen in low-income countries that are led by the research lab, right? As some researcher has an idea, and then this happens. In this case, it was uh, a local uh, non-government organization that had the idea, realized that the idea, found funding to realize that the, that idea, and then the research came kind of slightly later. Uh, from a recognition that has a potential for a genuine learning about how changing the transparency environment, the informational environment 
might change the incentives of politicians. And so I proposed uh, embedding a, a research component, you know, luckily uh, for, for Kristen and, and, and myself, um, Godberg agreed and, and that uh, led us to several years of very fruitful collaboration uh, where, where the end goal is, is the papers that we'll be discussing today. Great. Yeah, so the first paper you have written with Kristen is Information Dissemination, Competitive Pressure and Politician Performance Between Elections, a Field Experiment in Uganda. So what were your main outcomes of interest here? You've discussed the background of a study about transparency and politician performance. I'm interested what you expected to find and what were the initial results? Yeah. Um, so maybe I'll say just a few a few things about the uh, a few a few things about the design, and then uh, a few things about the outcomes, and then and then uh, that we were looking at, and then and then the main finding. So, in the original in the original study or in the original program, what I could did was to go to these districts, embed researchers in the district, and collect information about what these politicians are doing throughout the term. Okay. The information that they collected, by the way, this is based on what the, the politicians were actually doing, these district councillors were doing. This is not based on public opinion. They compile that to a score that gets um, assembled on an annual basis. So every year, there's a scorecard. When the scorecard is, when, when a code uh, completes its quality control and uh, uh, actions and, and, and uh, feels uh, comfortable releasing this, the results of the scorecard. What a code does is that they hold a meeting at the district headquarters with uh, all the politicians, all the district um, uh, councillors, the district chairperson, um, some of the leaders of, this, of the, the bureaucracy in the district and, and, and sometimes local leaders and the media. And they disseminate informa the information about these scores in this, one big event at the, the district headquarters. That happens irrespective of the study, okay? Um, we refer to that in our paper as a weak dissemination. The reason we call that weak is because information about the performance of the counselors gets disseminated, but there's not a lot of good reasons to think that the fact that you hold an event at the district headquarters will trickle down to voters uh, at the villages, right? And so that's why it's weak. And indeed, uh, once we uh, started collecting data, we were able to show in our baseline that voters had very little information about the initiative, as well as on the uh, performance of their representatives. The study, what the, the experimental part of our study was to work with the code and randomly assign half of the counselors in the study area, we were working in about 25 districts, to uh, what we call intensive dissemination. What does intensive dissemination entail? Those that were uh, randomly selected to that treatment group, for those counselors, Accord was holding community meetings uh, all the way at the village level uh, 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 with representatives of, of the area in which they discussed the scorecard and uh, disseminated the scores of the politician that represent that area, right? And they did that every year, okay? And so, um, and so just to be kind of clear, all politicians in the study area in these 25 districts, all politicians had a scorecard compiled, but only for half of them randomly selected, 
ACOD had these additional uh, community meetings uh, that we refer to as intense dissemination. In terms of the outcomes that we cared about, we cared about some short-term and some longer-term outcomes. In the shorter term, we wanted to see whether throughout the term, the politicians that know that voters have now more information about them and that the voters know that the politicians know that they have more information about them. So we created common knowledge as part of this study. We wanted to know whether politicians increase their efforts, increase their, uh, their commitment to represent uh, their constituents, okay? In terms of longer term outcomes, and that's the second paper, we'll talk about it later today, uh, what we were hoping to look at also whether this heightened level of transparency that is induced by uh, experimentally manipulating uh, the level of transparency all the, to, to voters, does that also affect outcomes as we get closer to elections, like incumbents' choice of running against for the election, whether the party will nominate the incumbent or not, whether new challenges will decide to enter or not, and ultimately whether voters will be more likely to vote politicians in which they got a signal that they, they performed uh, well versus politicians that they get a signal from the scorecard that they were uh, weak performers. So this is kind of the, the outcomes. In the paper, in the first paper that you, you uh, refer to in our 2014 uh, uh, paper that was published, uh, 2018, sorry, uh, American, that was published in American Political Science Review, the outcomes that we were really focusing on at this point was the, the performance throughout the term, okay? And we were able to measure it in several ways. One way is basically to look at the scorecard, right? Is it the case that for uh, those that were assigned to the intense dissemination. And again, intense dissemination, this is the meetings that the uh, NGO that we were working with was uh, disseminating the information at the village level. We wanted to see if the scores as reflected in the scorecard improve for, for that group, right? Uh, and, 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 and that is a good measure of performance because the, the scorecard captures uh, things about their legislative behavior, how much they, their, their contact with the electorate, how much they participate in meetings of local, uh, lower level local governments, and how much they monitor service delivery according to national uh, priority, uh, the national priorities. And so the, the first outcome was about um, seeing that the scores, looking at whether the scores are improving. Uh, there was another set of outcomes that we were looking at, which is basically to say, well, you know, the scorecard really captures what the, this NGO thinks are the things that, that capture the performance, that are most important for capturing the performance of politicians. But politicians themselves might have very different ideas about what constitutes uh, good performance. Moreover, they have also private information about what constitutes good uh, performance that the NGO doesn't have because they are privy to, you know, what happens in the hallway, what happens in, you know, in like in, in committee work. And, and so in addition, we had other outcomes in which we interviewed all politicians and we asked them to rate the performance of other politicians in the district. In addition, we asked the senior civil servants in the district, these are the senior uh, bureaucrats, Again, we gave them a list of all politicians. It's about 20, 25 uh, on average district councillors. And we asked them to rate the performance uh, 
on, on what they believe are the important features that make uh, a politician effective in the okay? And so that's in terms of the outcomes. Mm -hmm. Can we talk about the finding? Of course, that's what, that's what the people are here for, I think. Okay, <laughs> so what we found was that politicians that were in the intense dissemination group, meaning that information about their performance was disseminated all the way to uh, uh, the voters in, in, in communities in their constituency, increased the performance along these dimensions that I mentioned a few minutes ago, compared to politicians in which they had a scorecard, but the scorecard was only disseminated in this public event at the headquarters. Mm -hmm. With a small caveat that the increase is concentrated among the subset of politicians that face relatively higher level of political competition. By that we mean that politicians that hail from very, very safe seats, that win election by uh, huge margins, uh, for them, the fact that you disseminate information about them didn't change that much because they felt already relatively safe. It is the people that hail from, uh, it's the politician that hail from constituencies where it is possible that voters would vote them out if they learned that they are underperforming where the effect was, uh, was largest. Yeah, that's very interesting. I think you touch on a lot of components there that play into the transparency and performance arguments. I'm curious if you have any inclinations as to what the effects would be of simply weak dissemination. I know this wasn't randomized in this survey, but I'm wondering what you think the various components would have played. It's obvious yeah. that in competitive districts, intensive dissemination had an effect as you would expect, um, but I'm interested in knowing whether politicians simply knowing that they're being graded has an effect as well. So yeah, so as, as you said, there's no way for us to know because uh, I could, uh, while I could agreed to randomly assign half of the politicians in the study area to intense dissemination and half of them to weak dissemination, I could did not agree uh, to randomize what district they go to and what were not. And they had very good arguments, uh, very compelling arguments why they couldn't do that. They, they, it, it took them a long time, it takes them a long time to build rapport. They went to places where they thought they were most effective. So we, we respected that. And so, and so we did not collect data in districts in which a code did not go, right? I will say from, from the fact that we spent a lot of time in Uganda and conducted many focus groups, uh, uh, interviewed many politicians in person, the picture is, is quite clear that just having a non-government organization come and say, hey, these are the, this, is the, this is the law. These are your legally defined job duties. We're gonna be scoring you on the legally defined job duties. The, the sense was that that by itself increased their performance because they knew better what is expected from them. But also, you know, people, people don't like to get like a bad mm -hmm. evaluation or assessment, even, even if nobody else knows about it, right? Like nobody, nobody likes to hear that they're doing bad, okay? And so our sense was that the initiative itself raised all boats, uh, but some boats more than others, uh, because because the information uh, went all the way to voters. For us, I think the important point here is that what what the studies what the study was identifying is not the effect of information. It was identifying the additional effect of information that goes all the way down to voters. Okay, suggesting that at least the politicians were expecting voters to respond to that information. Right. 
which is not something that we were not, were not testing in the first paper, what's something we'll be testing in the second paper that we'll probably discuss uh, later today. Of course. And do you think that's contingent on the politicians knowing how low the voters' assessment or knowledge is of their performance to begin with? I found it very interesting in the paper where you talk about there's essentially no correlation between the score of the politician and the assessments pre-study. I mean, is that something that's common throughout Uganda or Sub-Saharan Africa more generally? Or do you think this is kind of a low information space that's not necessarily I mean, it might be that at the you know, national politicians, obviously the president and maybe members of parliament, voters have a bit more information about, you know, because the, the, the media in Uganda tends to report about national uh, politics. The, the local media is not that uh, it's not as vibrant. I think there's probably better sense among voters uh, about like national uh, national politics. At the more local level, I think there's very little information. And I would say that that's common, not only across Africa, I would say that that's common also in OECD countries, right? Like how many of us know what exactly our representative is? I mean, I live in Philly. Do I know what my representative is is doing in Harrisburg? I'm not. I'm not so sure, and I'm. I'm <laughs> and I follow politics very closely, uh, and so the the idea that 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 voters lack information about the actions that that their representative is taking is um, is is quite common. I think the one difference, uh, and I think is important between developed countries and developing countries, is that in the in in let's take the United States for example, because parties are programmatic. I don't need to know exactly what my representative is doing so long that I know that if he's a Democrat or she's a Democrat, you know, they're probably doing some things or they support those type of policies. And if, if she's a Republican, she's probably support some other policies, right? Like you can infer from the party label, the position that the politician will take on, 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 on various policies. Uh, that, that's not the case in Uganda, parties are not necessarily programmatic, right? And so from the party label, you, you can infer very little about how much they're going to represent at your interest. And so that's definitely an issue. Uh, you know, elections are very much about the ability of the politician to try and bring resources uh, to, to the constituency and uh, making sure that uh, frontline health providers and teachers uh, are meeting the standards, that schools and health clinics are, are meeting uh, uh, standards and and for that the type of information that you need is not something that you get from the party label right you don't know what your politician is doing in, in the district lobbying for more resources do they go to the district education officer and say hey what's happening with all these like teachers that are not showing up are we going to replace them are we going to like um uh are we going to discipline them uh, and so this is like a type of information that i think voters we know that they care a lot about the information was clearly salient but they, they lack without this type of program. And so I have to say that like part of the part of the reason that I think politicians change their behavior is because they they thought, we actually know that because we 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 discussed it with many politicians. We, we know that that's how they are thinking, that the information was salient to voters. It was information, the information that the, 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 the NGO was was assembling and disseminating to voters was information that voters cared about. Obviously, if you collect and disseminate information to voters that voters don't care about, there shouldn't be any effect on information. That makes a lot of sense. You're talking about heuristics a bit, how parties can play a heuristic for voters in low information spaces. And I'm wondering, 
you talk a bit about the alternative, which could be something like gift giving or ways of making your candidacy or your status as a politician viable or visible to local groups. So how might politicians benefit from not having to rely on these types of patronage politics and rather be able to promote themselves based on these good works or their actual performance? Yeah. I mean, first, I think there's a bit of a caricature of describe African voters as easily duped by these like small gifts, you know, and, and I think this is also, I just want to mention that there's like a very important body of work, Eric Kremen and others about the importance of the, of the practice in terms of like the way it signals uh, to voters, uh, you know, how much politicians care about them. And so I, I, I don't think that like if some form of gift giving is going to disappear from the world, even when we move to kind of a, a kind of a high transparency level, just that it, it didn't disappear in the United States, right? Like you see a lot of politicians campaigning in the United States and throwing barbecues and, you know, and giving, uh, you know, distributing things uh, to people that attend these, these events. Um, uh, even though we are like a higher information environment. And so I, I don't think that it's completely going to displace what, what we think is happening. And that's a lot what we were doing in the, in the second project, in the second paper from that project, is to see whether moving to a higher transparency level, does that do a, create like a systemic change, right? By systemic change, I mean, does that affect the type of people that will run for office? That Will that affect the type of people that get elected to office, okay? And we have evidence to suggest that it does. Uh, and so I think it's less about, this is less like a higher transparency level, it's less about avoiding completely some of the practices that we've seen, and, but more affecting the type of people that will be running for office. Because if you're someone that like, does not have time or will to put a lot of effort into that. The knowing now that like there's many more voters will be will know that you're not putting the effort might um, dissuade you from running to uh, 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 to begin with. And similarly, those that like are high performers are more likely to be um, to win elections. And 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 so the the importance I think is that transparency will has the potential of weeding out bad apples and rewarding good apples, okay? Or good oranges and, mm-hmm. and, 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 and weeding out bad apples. But, but it's not that like we will not see at all ethnic voting or we won't see, you know, small gift giving. And I think that's a bit too much to ask from transparency. Understandable. I have one quick follow before we switch to the second paper. There have been a couple papers released in recent months about visibility and how politicians tend towards projects that are easily verifiable, such as constructing schools rather than focusing on performance within schools, which is much more complicated and oftentimes much more resource intensive. Do you think this type of project, given that you can focus the scores on things more associated with actual performance rather than these visibility projects, could this be a way of weeding out specific types of performance from others or is that also a bit too much to ask no no i think i think i think you're right i mean at the end of the day i just want to make it also very clear that Kristen and i had zero say in what were the components mm-hmm. of the scorecard right like what politicians were scored on and how 
uh, those different dimensions were aggregated to create a single score was something that I could have full autonomy on over. And it was what they believe, by they I mean a Ugandan civil society group believes are the most important things uh, uh, to, uh, to capture when you think about a politician uh, performance in, in their country, right? They, and so, um, and so the, the key point is that on the dimension that they measure, we see that there's an increase in the performance of, on that dimension, right? Uh, does that mean that that completely crowds out other dimensions that, uh, that are not in the scorecard? I don't think so, because I think voters still care about like, you know, they want to see that there's a road being built and they want to see that there's a score, right? And so, and, and, and this is, and again, this is true universally. This is not just the Ugandan phenomenon, this idea of like focusing on things that are more visible it's a, it's an, in, it's an incentive that politicians face, you know, across the board. Okay, I think the scorecard uh, will allow focusing voters on some things. It allows politicians to focus on on, on those things, uh, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it will eliminate all other uh, incentives that they face. And so I think that like this idea of like focusing a bit more on visibility is again not something that the scorecard will eliminate. Might mute a bit, but not <laughs> Perfect. All right, let's switch to the second paper, which is a working paper currently entitled The Effect of Term-Wide Transparency on Electoral Accountability, Theory and Field Experimental Evidence. Do you and your co-authors question challenger entry and citizen evaluation? So you use this same project to look at the long-term game theoretic aspects of this. And I know it can be difficult to discuss these models on a podcast, but I, if you can, can you give us some background on how this works with a yeah. particular focus on how this affects the deficit that exists in inner election years that you talk about throughout the Yeah, no, definitely. Okay, I'll try and do my best because it's a bit difficult. To it is, it is. In a podcast. And we'll post, it, we'll post the paper in the notes for people who okay. are curious in the actual model. Okay. Um, so our model is, um, is based or the starting point of our model are two basic intuitions, okay? The first intuition is that most model um, on the nexus of information and accountability focuses a bit too narrowly on two actors. One is there's politicians and they choose some level of effort or let's call it performance. And then there are voters that at the end of the, uh, the cycle uh, decide whether to retain the politician uh, or to vote them out um, based on their performance, right? Whether we're doing a, we have a retrospective or prospective uh, voting mechanism, it doesn't matter. You, you use the, the, the information about the, the behavior of the politician in order to inform your vote choice. So they're basically the two actors, okay? Our intuition is that transpar transparency is, is, or increasing level of transparency, moving to a higher transparency level, there is more actors that are involved. And if you want to understand the systemic effect, we can call it in like more jargon in terms of the kind of general equilibrium, mm -hmm. is that there's a lot of things that will go into that, right? Not only how transparency will affect the behavior of politicians during the term, but it will also affect whether they decide to run again uh, at the end of the term. It will affect uh, party leaders, kind of the party bigwigs uh, choice of who, whether to uh, 
uh, renominate the incumbent or bring in someone else to uh, carry the flag of the party to the next election. It also affects the choices of potential candidates of whether to run again, to, to uh, throw their hat into the race, right? And then there are voters as well, right? And so the, the first thing that what our model tries to do is kind of sequentially look at how transparency affects, you can think, you think about voters, when we think about how voters might react, this will affect the, 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 the choice of, uh, of um, uh, potential challenges. Thinking about the type of potential challenges that will enter uh, uh, the, the next race will affect the nomination choices of, uh, of the party. And all of those will affect whether the politician will decide to um, run again um, uh, in the next uh, in the next election, and so the first intuition of the model is that we need to look sequentially on all these paths of accountability and not just the politician behavior and votes. Okay. The second intuition of the model is that the way transparency matters will depend on two key factors. One of it is the type of signal uh, of performance, and that's very intuitive, and I'll explain. And then the other thing is the strength of the party of the incumbent or the organizational capacity of the party. So the, the first one is very intuitive, right? Like how transparency will matter. And that goes into all models of political accountability and, 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 uh, and information. Uh, it's it's the, what the signal emits about the, the behavior of politician matters, right? If the signal is, is that the politician is, highly, high, is high performance, you're going to get one outcome. And if the signal is that she is of low performance, you're going to get a different outcome. And so it, it's, it's actually meaningless to ask what's the effect of transparency. Because if some people get a high signal or some people get a low signal, uh, it will all cancel out, right? Like if, if voters are voting more for incumbent with high signal and less for incumbent with, with low signal, then the um, aggregate effect of, of transparency will be, you'll find that it's zero, right? Uh, for in, in, in terms of like incumbent um, you know, vote share and whatnot. And so, and so the first thing is really the, 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 how the sig what, what, what is the signal uh, about uh, politician performance that gets it. That's intuitive. The thing that is about a bit less intuitive is, is uh, uh, what we refer to as the relative party advantage of the incumbent, okay? And so the idea here is parties in, Sub-Saharan Africa, but that's actually, it's like everywhere. Uh, I think this is universally the case. Uh, if you look at a specific constituency, different parties have different organizational strength, right? If you go to the United States, you can look at a, a certain congressional district and say, oh, this one is like a Republican plus seven, right? And this is a Democrat plus nine, okay? That reflects something about how strong the, the party is in this constituency, okay? The same thing is in, in Uganda, there's different parties and some parties are, have, you know, in a specific place they are it's stronger than maybe the same party in, a diff in another place, uh, you know, they, they are opposition or competitive. The idea uh, is think about what happens when you have politicians that hail from parties with low party advantage. They were, they were, they were able to win elections you know, think about the Doug Jones, okay? They, they win election in Alabama uh, as a Democrat. They obviously uh, came from a party that has like a weak party advantage, right? What does transparency do? 
transparency will be most important for high performance, for high performers from uh, parties that have like a, a weak uh, party advantage, right? Because for them now, when you get like this positive signal because they are high performers, what the signal will do will increase the likelihood that vo voters will support them, which means that um, it will be more likely to deter challengers and it will be more likely that the incumbent will be uh, running again, right? And so transparency will matter uh, a lot to a low, to, sorry, to a high performer that comes from uh, a party with low party advantage. Now the opposite is the case. Think about like high party advantage, right? In high party advantage, you you might the uh, transparency is most uh, most consequential for low performers in this case, right? Because for a high party, uh, when you have a party that is very very strong, low performer politician might um, underperform because they know that they are relatively safe, right? Because the party has an advantage. Now you add a transparency, you, you make the information about their performance a lot more known to voters. Now those pe people are more likely to be uh, booted out because now voters have a lot more information about them. And it might encourage also candidates that were not thinking of running because they were like, why would I run in like, why, why would a high quality person that has other things that they can do, they have, uh, they have, you know, you know, they have alternative things that they can do. They have a high opportunity cost, right? Like if you are high type and you're thinking of running for office, but there's a, a there's a there's an incumbent from a high party, a party that has like a lot of advantage, you might you might decide to sit down. Now that there's a signal that that person is actually of low performance, you might be willing to throw your hat in. And so, kind of just to summarize, because I know there's a lot of information, what transparency does is it really depends on the signal but it also really depends on how strong the party is. It is especially important in helping good politicians be elected when they, when they come from parties that are relatively weak. And it helps boot out weak politicians when they hail from uh, places where the party is relatively strong. So that's kind of the model. And then we use the data from the study that we discussed before, the code study, in order to test some of the uh, implications of the model. So we can get into those in a second. I just want to talk through the logic here a bit more for people that haven't read through the paper. One of the interesting aspects is this challenger decision. I know in Uganda, this is a very specific context. You can only have specific entrants and parties are more disaggregated at the local level and regional levels than perhaps other places where it's maybe two major parties, three major parties. Um, so I'm wondering if you can talk a bit on how this would operate, not necessarily in, in other places more specifically, but kind of in general. So if we saw somewhere where there was strong primary contestants for a larger party, let's say it's the United States and you have a plus seven Republican district, you're usually when you're in a plus five or greater district, you're actually your biggest competition is from your own party. Could you see this type of model working in that type of environment as well, where yeah, greater yeah. transparency would cause kind of a cream of the crop to rise to the top anywhere based on this performance as well? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I mean, the original version of the, of the paper when we started working on the project, we wanted to incorporate also primary into the model. Um, we ended up not doing it for two reasons. Uh, one, one is that uh, uh, data on 
primary results is not readily available in Uganda, right? And so unlike the United States, there's no, there's no place where you can go and get, um, by the way, data on, on uh, vote tallies, who stood for election, who was on the ballot and uh, the vote share of different uh, candidates uh, at the district level in Uganda is publicly available. You can download it from the website of the electoral commission, but that's not the case for primaries, right? Mm. And so for that, we had to rely on interviewing the politicians and it turned out that the responses of politicians for the question of like, you know, did, did you have primaries? How many candidates did you win? Well, not the, the most accurate. The second reason, so, so we didn't have good data or reliable data, but and once we didn't have that, you know, it, it reduced the appetite. The second reason it became, it, it, it was it's a bit too much, right? The paper is so thick, right? And yeah. so, uh, uh, and so we, we decided uh, not to go into the primary. I, I will say that a lot of the logic of the general moves also to the primary, right? Because, uh, because if, if, if you have a weak signal, okay, uh, or a signal that the politician is underperforming, that's, I should say, that, that's what we mean by weak signal. Uh, it increases the likelihood that people will contest that person also within the party, right? And, uh, and, and when somebody has, a very, uh, uh, it's very visible, uh, the, the voters are receiving a, a signal that that person is a very high performer, then it reduces the likelihood that uh, challenges will enter even in the, in the primary stage because the party elites and the voters receive the signal that the incumbent is, is performing very well. Um, and so, and so we, we, we think that it um, is relevant also to the primary, uh, but we have, it's a bit difficult to, to, to test with the, the data at hand. Absolutely. So on the challenger side, could you also see your model anticipating opposition parties being able to maximize their funds and their know-how to target politicians with weak signals? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I think thanks for that question, because that's, that's absolutely uh, the case. Uh, we don't have data on that because, you know, again, unlike the United States, we don't know how much parties are spending on different races. Um, but anecdotal evidence and conversations we had with party elites suggest that it is the case that when they have more information who's um, vulnerable, uh, that is valuable for the, for, for the party, right? And the party can respond in various ways. You know, one way is to put some more money on the incumbent. Uh, that is vulnerable and the vulnerability comes from the fact that like the scorecard show that they are very uh, low performance. A different thing that they can do is just not renominate them. And in fact, that's exactly what we're seeing, okay? Because politicians, the party elites are a bit risk averse. They don't wanna lose the election, but because the parties are not uh, so well-funded, you know, it's not as if there's a lot of money in politics in Uganda, especially at the local level, okay? The easiest response for them was to uh, kick out politicians that were low performance, okay? That they received the signal that they were low performance, okay? And in fact, that we see it. it's about, you were something like 10 percentage point more likely to be kicked out by your own party in the nomination process um, uh, when you were a low performer compared to, uh, uh, to a same politician with the same score, but without the, this intense dissemination treatment, right? Um, and 10 percentage point is, is quite a bit. And for that, we have actually very good data because we know exactly who is on the ticket, right? And so we know someone was an incumbent and we know whether they were on the, on the ballot in 2016, right? Uh, and so 
It might have been the case that they also uh, channeled more resources that we, we can't know for sure. But we know for sure that they took it very seriously, the party elites, because two things happened. One is that they are more likely to uh, kick out low performance and retain high performance. The second thing we see, we see them encourage more challenges to run for office when the incumbent has a low signal. And that's absolutely what we found. Okay, we find that when there's high party advantage, okay, and a low performer, more, more uh, uh, potential candidates that may have not uh, thrown their hat in decide to run for office supported by their parties. Yeah, that's terrific. And so let's talk a bit about those results because I think you found very strong evidence to support your larger theory. So yeah, maybe you can, give some, yeah, you can give us some sense of what that is. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So basically what we, what we find is that this kind of what we refer to as term, term-wide transparency. And I think that's actually, maybe we should say something about the, the term term-wide. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I think it's actually very important mm-hmm. for kind of contextualizing our finding. Um, we juxtapose the idea of term-wide transparency to other initiatives that provide voters with information about the incumbent and his or her performance just before election, right? And there's quite a few studies that have done that, including including some some of my old uh, uh, work. Um, If you provide voters with information just before election and see how how they vote, do they, if, do they punish incumbents when the, the information is bad and you know, reward politicians when the information is good? These types of study are actually quite informative in, in terms of like the partial equilibrium, right? Like you, you, you can see you gave voters the information, some voters you gave the information, some voters you don't, and you can see how the voters respond to that. The problem with these studies, uh, including my, my, my own, and this is not, uh, is that when you provide information to voters just before election, the slate of candidates is already like being determined, right? Like, first of all, the, the politicians cannot change their performance right? because we are like a week or two before elections, right? And, and so, uh, but also the whole choice of whether to run again for office, whether the party will nominate them again, whether challenges will enter, you know, you, it's kind of a wash, right? Like, because the slate of candidates um, is already determined. And so one of the nice things that our study can do is to look at all the path of accountability and to try and decompose when you create transparency throughout the term, not just weeks before the elections, but every year throughout the term, you know, to the extent that it improves electoral accountability, what are the paths? Is it because politicians are increasing their performance? Is it because more challenges are entering? Is it because the party elites are throwing uh, the bombs out? Is it because voters, right? Uh, and and by the way, we. we you can do it for each one of these paths, right? You can improve electoral accountability even if voters have not changed their behavior at all, just because the uh, the party already threw out in the nomination process the bad apples, right? And vice versa, right? It might be that the party elites completely ignore the scorecard and the, the fact that there's more information and they, main, they, they, they retain also these like low performance politicians and the voters decide to throw them out, right? And so, and so the, there are various paths and what we can do in this paper is basically to decompose and basically put the number on which of these paths uh, is, most, uh, is, is most consequential. In terms of uh, 
in terms of uh, what we find, okay? So let's start with what we find, okay? First of all, we find absolutely uh, changing the transparency level, even in a context of a country like Uganda where elections are not fully free and fair, where the, the party in power is autocratic and has many levers to ensure that they can win uh, elections with large. Even in this context, we found that like this work that Accord did in disseminating information to voters was highly consequential, okay? Just to, just to give a sense, if you look at the whole, something like 400 politicians that we had in the study area, when they were in the weak dissemination treatment, okay, where the information was only disseminated to the head, in the headquarters, and the signal was low, meaning that they were considered low performance, 34% uh, of them uh, got reelected, meaning that they, the incumbents of 2011 ended up also winning election in 2016. When the information was um, uh, disseminated all the way to, uh, to voters, that number drops to 27%, uh, right? And so you have a drop from 34 to 27%. If we look at those that have high signal, meaning that they were high performers, when you have a weak transparency, what we, we call a weak dissemination, the share of them that won election was 35%. Uh, by the way, it's exactly like the low performers in the NOID because there's no, you know, voters have very little information. So whether you're a high performer or low performer doesn't, like, didn't really you know, play out. Uh, but it jumps up to 40%. So you increase five percentage point increase uh, when you were uh, in the intense dissemination treatment. So first we, we see that if you just look at like the kind of the reduced form, just like looking at, at, the, at this a treatment of disseminating the information. I want to remind our, our, our listeners that this was randomly assigned. So the two groups of politicians that uh, receive the treatment, so to speak, that uh, the information about their performance was disseminated voters and those that did not looked identical uh, before, we, before the, the, the experiment, right? So that's one, one finding that I think is, is important. But there are other findings that I want to discuss because they are very important. And those are about the party elites behavior, about the potential challenges and voters, okay? So in terms of party elites, okay, we find that if you were a low performing politician, you had, you were 10 percentage points less likely to be renominated by, by your party to, to serve on a ticket, okay? If you were high performing, you were three percentage point more likely, okay? So it's not, about, it's not exactly symmetrical. They, the party elites don't fully reward high performance, but they definitely punish uh, low performance. Um, if we do some back of the envelope um, calculation, that cannot fully explain the results that I said before that only 35% of, of politicians won um, the election. And so, and so it was important uh, channel for improving electoral accountability, but it's not the whole story, right? Then we look also at the, this idea of like uh, challenges. Uh, and what we find is again, when the party is relatively strong and the politician is of weak quality, having the information disseminated to voters increased the likelihood that a new challenger entered the race in 2016 by one. What does it mean by one? A full, not like a half a candidate, a full candidate, okay? Uh, 
And given the fact that there's not a lot of candidates that challenge to begin with, like that is a that is a big that is a big effect. Okay. And then the last thing is about like is about like uh, the vote choice of the of voters. And what we show is that even though there's already some some politicians that decide to drop and not to run, even though there's some that drop because the party didn't select them. And we have like new challenges that enter, voters still play a role. Voters still play an important role. They are much more likely to uh, punish uh, low performers. The voting of an incumbent that has a low performance is about, they lose about eight and a half percentage point in terms of their voting. And high performance gain about three percentage point. That's a lot, right? Like you can ask like uh, President Trump and uh, Vice President Biden if they would be happy with like three percentage point increase in Pennsylvania, right? <laughs> and so uh, again, bad politicians, uh, bad by that I mean ones that their performance is captured by the scorecard suggested that they have their low performance um, uh, compared to the median of the district. They lost about eight percentage point, and the high performance gained about three percentage point. Yeah, so these are fascinating results. It does seem like while politicians who perform well are rewarded, a lot of this effect is on these low performers, these bad apples that may be seen as shirking their duties or taking advantage of these low transparency arenas. Um, and I'm wondering if you, do you think that is somewhat nonlinear? Uh, why do you think it is that these low performers are punished so much? It's not linear. I think that, uh, I think it's about the priors of voters, right? Like. I think voters expect politicians to do well, you know. Uh, we know from a lot of studies in, in the United States and elsewhere that uh, even when people have like a very bad impression of Congress, people say hate Congress, but they like their own representative, right? They think that, they, you know, everyone else is like crap, but like my representative is actually good. And I think something like that is happening also in Uganda where uh, um, most, most citizens uh, assume that their representative does their work. And so if they get a signal that says, hey, your politician does their work, they're like, sure, that's great. But like, they don't necessarily update positively because their prior was already high. Whereas when they get a signal that your politician was low performance, there's a lot more updating that happens on the side of voters. There's a lot more updating that happens on the side on, on party elites. And so that's why there's a bit of a symmetry. The effect is more pronounced when the signal is bad than when the signal is good. I mean, that's one explanation in, in terms of like updating. There might be other explanations uh, of why there's a bit of an asymmetry. So I don't think it's about linearity. I think it's just like there's an asymmetry. Yeah. Uh, people respond stronger to bad information than they respond to good information. I think that's that's also in like human behavior. I mean, like, this is not just about like updating. You know, we if I tell you something about your friend, okay, that is good, you will respond less passionately than if I tell you something like really bad about them, right? And so, uh, and so I think that's, that's what, and, 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 and what's interesting is we're picking up in the data. I mean, this is just, this comes up very clearly in our data. Yeah, I wonder if it could be about turnout as well. If you told me somebody is doing well, I might be, okay, well, they'll probably get reelected. Yeah. No reason to turn out, but if they're doing very I poorly. Think it's a great, I think it's a great point. Unfortunately, the Uganda Electoral Commission does not report turnout data at that level of election. Uh, and so we, we, we were hoping we can test that whether there's some mobilization story, that, uh, but, but we couldn't find that. Well, future study. So that's a good segue. We'll close this out. But I, I just wanted to ask a few follow-ups. I know that ICODE has kind of expanded this in recent years. I know they, they'll continue to do this given the promising results in Uganda. I'm wondering if you see this expanding to other contexts. Have there been initiatives that have looked into that? 
Um, are you hoping that bringing in something like ICT, the prominence of mobile phones will allow information to be disseminated more accurately in the future? Or do you think this will introduce biasing signals where you don't just have scorecards, but you have something more like the US where you have echo chambers that are reporting different opinions? Yeah. I know it's a tough question, but I'm curious. It's to a very that. tough question. Uh, I mean, it's a great question, but it's also a tough question. It calls for a lot more research. I mean, I think, I mean, we're still in the world in which um, fewer than 15% of Ugandans have access to uh, smartphones, right? Uh, and so I think I think we're a bit far from a world in which um, we're like everyone is on social media and like, um, you know and, and obviously once we we have like a lot of people on social media when I mean, we saw that in in Brazil in the last elections with Bolsonaro uh, where so much of his campaign was on like some misinformation that was circulating on uh, on WhatsApp groups and. Mm -hmm. I think we're going to see that as well, right? And uh, uh, slowly, but not exactly there. So it's very difficult to know whether more people have access to technology. Uh, and, and by that, I'm, I'm, I'm saying mobile phones because mm -hmm. like, that's really the, the main... Uh, people will, be, will, will have access to, to the internet and social media through their phones before they'll have computers, right? Like personal computers in, in, in low-income countries. You know, on one hand, like, I mean, it just, it just operates on many, many dimensions, right? When you have like mobile phones, right? It's, it, uh, it's easier to mobilize people, right? Uh, you can, uh, in, 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 you know, disseminate information more efficiently. You know, and we just saw how important it is to disseminate information. On the other hand, you have a lot more, you can also disseminate a lot more misinformation, right? And so it's difficult to know how, how this all like uh, plays out. Uh, I will say that I think that part of the reason the study had relatively strong effects was that the treatment itself was quite powerful. It was a community meeting that the organization, you know, our partners, came to the villages and hold a session where they invited all people. And it was a you know, you know, two hours event where they discussed like you know, the, the, the duties and responsibilities of politicians, discussed the methodology, presented the results, had time for Q&A. It's a strong treatment. You know, if you compare that to something that you get through, you know, your phone, where we get like a lot of crap over our phones uh, over the day, uh, you know, there's some evidence to suggest that like real world events will still have a stronger effect than things that come through your phone. But again, I, you know, the uh, you know this, this treatment of technology is uh, is so uh, you know it, it entails so many things. It's uh, uh, it's 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 compounded and complex. That uh, you know, I hope that like and, and it's uh, you know clearly uh, an, an important avenue for future work. Terrific. Well, thank you again for coming on. We look forward to following up on on your research. Is there anything else you'd like to? to comment on before we close off? No, I just wanted to thank uh, uh, you for inviting me, but I also want to thank our, our partners. I mean, this study would not be uh, possible without uh, some, the amazing work of our, our, our partners in, in Uganda and Accord, but uh, not only Accord, the NGO, I mean, there were 30 or 20, you know, something like close to 30 districts uh, that uh, provided us access uh, to politician, uh, access to data that existed at the district level, uh, without the, the work of so many people in Uganda uh, that believed in the importance of um, making uh, voters more informed about uh, the actions of politicians, this study would not, uh, uh, would not have been. And so this study is really, um, <laughs> I mean, you know, it, you know this, is, this is 
you know, I, I cannot thank them all. Uh, and, 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 and I want to make sure that, you know, our listeners uh, recognize that the, the, the success of these types of study is, is, you know, an ability to like create like trust uh, and, and, and reciprocal relationship between researchers and, and, and people on the ground uh, with, with, without whom uh, none of this would have been possible. Great. Well, we can include the links to ACODE and maybe a couple other organizations in the show notes as well. Thanks, everybody, for joining us today. Thank you for listening to the Political Economy Forum podcast. Please feel free to listen to our other episodes on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You might also like our special podcast on election security, Neither Free Nor Fair, which is hosted by Professor James Long and is also available on all major platforms. Our podcasts are produced by myself, Nicholas Wittstock, and Morgan Wack. Our theme music was created by Ted Long. Please feel free to leave a review as we're curious about your feedback. And if you have any questions, suggestions, or concerns, please contact uwpoliticaleconomy at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. 